No, it's a hamstring. Um, he'll get an MRI. We'll, we'll kind of see where he's at with it, um, but nothing more. Yeah, it would be way too early to say. I mean, typically in, in our system too, we're, we're bringing receivers in and out. Um, but, you know, he plays Z, he plays in the sub position for us. And look, I, uh, you know, we have a lot of guys. I, hopefully it's not anything long-term. That voice you heard was Broncos coach Sean Payton explaining the team's latest injury at wide receiver. This one to top wideout Jerry Judy. I'm Nick Kosmider. Welcome to the Not Another Bucking podcast. We appreciate all of you guys joining us, um, listening to us in podcast form, wherever you get those, uh, or those of you who have been uh, kind enough to watch us uh, on YouTube. Um, big day for the Broncos in, in not a great way. It was, it was their second uh, practice with the Rams today. They had two joint practices with the Rams this week, leading into Saturday's preseason uh, finale. And a little bit later on, uh, my colleague at the Athletic, Jordan Rodriguez, who does a fantastic job covering the Rams, uh, is going to join us for a conversation about those practices. Um, and the Broncos, after a slow day uh, Wednesday, in which in which the Rams completely dominated the practice um, on both sides of the ball. Um, the Broncos came out a lot sharper. Sean Payton said, we just had more juice, corrected a lot of the things that went wrong. A lot of it based for the offense on, you know, pre-snap issues that have popped up from time to time during this training camp. Um, you know, they, they were kind of running more plays than they have uh, at other points in camp and even in, in the preseason outside of the 13-play uh, drive that Denver had to start the game against the 49ers. Um, so you saw some of the issues there. Thursday was a different story. Russell Wilson comes out, hits Judy for for a deep out uh, a breakout uh, pattern. Jared Stidham hits Brandon Johnson up the sideline. Albert Okawabenam gets involved, scores a touchdown. So th there was just a lot going on. And then defensively, they were getting more pressure on Matthew Stafford a day after the Rams uh, had really bothered the Broncos with with um, with their tempo. Uh, kind of got the, the the Denver defense on its heels. And Vance Joseph said, "Hey, we, we can't start that way. We need to bring." bring the fight. Um, but all that early progress was just interrupted in a quick hurry when Jerry Judy uh, took the ball on a, on a wide receiver end around to the right side. And I'm watching this play unfold. And right as he gets to the sideline, you see him sort of drop the ball And the initial, you know, split second reaction is that he, you know, got the ball knocked out of his hands, but then you kind of realize that he, he pulled up lame. He kind of starts grabbing toward the back of his right leg. Uh, trainers immediately come over, um, and, and it's only seconds before they're kind of taking all of his weight on their shoulders. A minute or so after that, the uh, the medical cart comes out and takes Jerry Judy into the locker room. Sean Payton said afterward, hey, this is a situation where we know it's a hamstring. We're waiting for the MRI results. The team source told me uh, uh, later in the afternoon that, that Jerry Judy's going to miss several weeks with this injury. Um and that puts his status for week one against the, the the Raiders, this rapidly approaching game on September 10th, puts that in doubt uh, for Jerry Judy, which, you know, the Broncos, they are not a team that can afford to have a lot of their top end guys go down. The depth is not there on this team, especially after they've already lost Tim Patrick for the season due to his Achilles tear, especially after they already had to waive KJ Hamler as he deals with a heart issue, especially after they already had to put Jalen Virgil a guy who was starting to show uh, some real big play capability because of his speed um, on IR after he suffered a torn meniscus in, in the game against the 49ers on sa on Saturday, excuse me. 
Um, you know, you've had Brandon Johnson miss a couple weeks of, of training camp due to an ankle injury. Luckily for the Broncos, he's back now. Um, so it is just a situation where that, you know, kind of the, the only guy that you really have with experience that's been there week in and week out is Cortland Sutton. And, and that puts, you know, kind of a huge emphasis on, on what he needs to bring, um, puts a huge emphasis on Denver's ability to run the football, which is the way that they want to play anyway. But Jerry Judy is, is a guy that really stands to benefit from that, right? He, he's a guy that in those play action routes where he really has time to work his receiver um, you know, set up the cuts that he's so good at making and, and, and getting to the field. He's that guy that kind of needs some of that time and it can really hurt you in the play action game. Um, that's what they will miss if they have to drop this game plan for the Raiders on September 10th without Jerry Judy in the mix. I would, I would be hard pressed to think that he will be back for that opener, right? We typically tend to see several weeks. It's kind of a nebulous term. And I think that's for a reason, right? You hamstrings, you don't fully know until you're like actually ramping up you know towards um kind of toward getting fully back on the field because there's always this risk of you know these these minor setbacks that can turn into you know bigger issues that are keeping you on the sideline for long we saw it last year with greg dulcich who suffered a hamstring injury during the offseason program was about to come back during training camp and then ultimately had to you know kind of sh shut the brakes down again um to take a step back because he had kind of had a little bit of a setback with that didn't end up playing until week six so the Broncos are going to have to be, and I'm sure they will be, fully um, fully diligent in making sure that Jerry Judy doesn't have these setbacks. Because if this turns into a situation in which, you know, they're trying to push him back to get ready for week one, but he instead, um, you know, has has this setback that forces him to, you know, to miss several weeks or, or have to go on IR, um, you know, that that's when you're, you're in real trouble. Because as I wrote at The Athletic, the Broncos have this early schedule in these first four games. You know, your quarterbacks are Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Howell, Tua Tungvaloa, um, and then Justin Fields, right? Like that, that's not the only, you know, the only matchup to watch in those games, of course. But the four quarterbacks after that, Patrick Mahomes twice, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. In other words, the Broncos have got to get off to a fast start. If they hope to be a playoff team, they really need to make hay in these first four weeks. So anytime that Jerry Judy misses in that, um, is is going to be an issue for the Broncos. So if, if it's if it's a situation where hey we, we think is if we play this conservatively and, and get them right, we can hopefully get them back for maybe week two or maybe that week three game, our first road trip there to Miami, uh, not too far from where from where Jerry Judy is from. Um, maybe that's you know that's the kind of prudent approach to take because again, if if he is forced to miss um, a lot of you know three, four, five games, uh, you know the, the Broncos could be in real trouble. So. Again, it's not ideal. I, I think it's a little bit of a silver lining that it, it wasn't such a severe situation to where they're thinking that he's going to have to go, you know, go on IR as soon as the season starts. We'll see after cut down days, what, what cut down day, what kind of maneuvers the Broncos make, whether he is a candidate um, for that. But but I think there would be hope that he could kind of come back soon enough to where it wouldn't necessitate a trip to the IR. And before we jump into our conversation with Jordan, here is Sean Payton talking about what he thought the Broncos got out of these two days of practice with the Rams. We'll have a, we'll have a chance to get to the tape. Um, I felt like we had a little bit more juice today, just being out on the field. We kind of talked about it last night. Um, I was real pleased with the two days we got with the Rams in that, you know, before you ever start, there's certain things you hope for. And, and I thought both clubs did a great job of, of 
handling the drills and I thought the teams and the players did a good job of, uh, you know, we get better when we do this. You know, first off, we see other schemes, other thoughts, kind of stimulates, you know, your, your think tank a little bit. And, uh, and it also, I think, it changes the routine up. You know, you're getting more, those are a lot of team snaps. I don't know if we tallied them up. We're over 120 team snaps. And so that's, that's huge when it comes to the evaluation process. Just more, more information, so. Okay, I'm thrilled now to be joined by our guest, my esteemed colleague, Jordan Rodriguez. Covers the Broncos. I mean, oh gosh. <laughs> you cover the Broncos. You do. Kind of. <laughs> and the Rams, who are in town to practice against the Broncos this week, uh, and does NFL projects for the athletic, including the awesome narrative podcast series that came out this summer called The Play Callers, which you should all go check out if you haven't already. Uh, Jordan, thanks so much for taking some time and joining us on Not Another Bucking Podcast. Thank you for having me. And also, it was truly a pleasure sharing a tiny patch of grass on a hill with you this <laughs> these last two days. Um, it's always fun when like there are multiple people from the same organization, like able to sort of tag team and compare notes. And like, it's funny because there are 40 new players on the Rams roster. And then I'm obviously, you know, not as familiar, even close to as familiar as you are with the Broncos roster. So I'm like, Okay, so 130 players that I need to check with you all the time. Yeah, so yeah. it was good. No, and I thought about this too. I thought it'd be interesting to, have, you know, if we ever had anything resembling time in the in the you know grind of training camp, but to like look at the rosters and how many players that played in that. Um, well, great for the Rams, embarrassing for the Broncos. Christmas Day game just a few, you know, uh, eight months ago or whatever it was. Um, I, I would imagine that it's a pretty small percentage of guys that are that are that were going one on one our first team reps today versus how many guys were in that actual game, you know, back on Christmas. Yeah, very, very small number. Um, you know, even even the guys who were there, most of them were hurt, too. So, you know, the Broncos defense there, a lot of those guys really seeing Matthew Stafford for the first time. Cooper Cup, obviously back this week. Um, those two are trying to do everything they can to get their connection back. Um, and then also like a bunch of young, a bunch of young players on both sides of the ball. And what, one thing that was really good, I thought, and I'm sure you thought this too, Nick was, it was a really well-coached session for both teams. There were a couple like skirmishettes as I would call them, but, but nothing serious. And they got so much work in, you know, the Rams, they practice really high tempo and a lot of times that's why teams do want to uh, do these joint practices against them because you get a lot of work in and your conditioning is tested too. And and I really felt that on both days. I think the Broncos defense brought more energy the second day for sure. But I, I really felt that on both days was, was that, that sort of um, understanding and that functionality of getting so much work done. Yeah, it's, it's a really great point you bring up because I think Sean Payton, that was the number one thing after both practices that he really – harped on was he was really pleased with just how much they were able to do that kind of took me by surprise you're, you're talking about you probably see it on on a regular basis and it's funny because as you know my, my producer matt would know we have talked a lot about how the broncos are trying to get to that point right where they believe tempo not about hurry up offense or, or anything like that it's about getting to the line being able to quickly get where you want to go so that you can make the checks that you need to make and then go but like you, you, you see what they're trying to do. And then the Rams come in, obviously, with Stafford being third year into the system and, and, and sort of understanding exactly what it is that they want to do with, I'm sure, various changes along the way. But but having that base foundation, it kind of shows you, oh, 
yeah, the Broncos are trying to get tempo, but that part of their offense, they, they have a while to go. Yeah, but I thought, like, they really stepped up really well. Like, the second day, you could tell that second day they made those adjustments. I mean, that that defensive line popped off the line of scrimmage way stronger and more more energy against the first-team offense than they did on Wednesday. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that they were slouches on Wednesday either. I mean, it was a really competitive – I mean, I'd say the Rams had the edge on the first day, yeah. but really competitive periods throughout. And I thought that was really interesting because – that's something that the Rams want and they need is to have them themselves be tested by a team that is running a defense that is really dominant throughout the course of the uh, schematically throughout the course of the league right now. One they'll be seeing conceptually very, very similar, uh, you know, in, in games that they play and, and similar, you know, back to the Broncos defense as well. They're going to be seeing a lot of offenses that borrow from this system um, as the system borrows from others. And Sean McVay had some funny comments today after practice where he's like, one of the things he loves about working with Sean Payton is he's got, he's got like a list of plays he's going to steal from him, you know, like, like all coaches do. And then he's like shamelessly admitting it. And he's like, yeah, I love coming here because I steal from Sean Payton. And like, yeah. and I've always done that and, and vice versa and then all this stuff. And um, it just was cool. It, it felt like both coaches really felt um, that it was a super productive session. And I think that pace had a lot to do with it, not only to get a large number of plays in, um, but also you, you get a better understanding of what tempo is and how it can manipulate you um, if you're on the other side of the ball. And then if you're the offense who's going against a defense that's used to tempo, you're understanding how then you need to continue to, to try to press that defense and assert against that defense um, on, on your own side. And, and I think so it, it's really beneficial, I think, for both groups. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good point. And Vance Joseph, the Broncos defensive coordinator, talked about that two today where he said on Wednesday it just seemed like we sort of let ourselves come out and kind of you know got punched a little bit and that's been one of Denver's issues is that in in these first drives of the preseason they they've not really kind of set the you know kind of set the edge a little bit that they, they haven't brought the edge to to the to the offense that they were facing and that happened certainly on Wednesday it happened to them against the 49ers Brock Purdy and that that bootleg game that they just do so well the Broncos just you know kind of had had some misfits in that um so that that was something where i agree with you i thought early in the practice on thursday the broncos defense from you know from a pass rush perspective and also just from yeah kind of the that that quick tempo energy awareness um were, were a lot were a lot better but i I, th I found it interesting that you you talked about sean and, and sean stealing from <laughs> one of the things i love about the work you do is just sort of like really reporting on and evaluating always that that trend and I wanted to ask you about about what 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 the biggest thing you learned because I learned so much from listening um, to the play callers. But as you sort of just did that project and examined just just sort of the trends in this league and how they get adapted to and reacted to, what were just some of the bigger general takeaways you had of where the where the league is going with that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, this system that really was. Um, started it's the modern version of it was built by Kyle Shanahan um Sean McVay Mike McDaniel Matt LaFleur uh Raheem Morris who would sit in on those offensive meetings uh Chris Burser a number of assistants back in those days in in Washington that's you know obviously it stems from other influences which we're not going to go back and relitigate the entire timeline because we'd be here all night but um it 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 that the modern iteration of it and how it's branched out and sort of pollinated into its own separate entities from place to place. Um, that's dominant right now, but it will break. And there's a lot of things that defenses are trying to do to break it. And that's how why these joint practices are so 
um, representative of where the league is at right now, because Sean Payton is someone who Sean McVay cited over and over, including in play callers about someone who's kept evolving and changing and adjusting with the times in terms of how he runs his offense and the types of, of concepts that he utilizes. And, and then on the other side though, they're, they're also, he's Sean Payton's now matched with this really modern iteration of this dominant defensive philosophy that is spreading and, and Vince Joseph will, will put his own stamps on it and, and all these things. But it is it is similar to when Sean McVay went out and matched his offense with a similar structural system um, in this defense, and then troubleshot the two against each other. Now they were do- he was doing that in his own house, being a paranoid coach as they all are. But right. but now they're they're finding they're seeking out people with maybe there's not like serious stakes in going against those people or those teams in that moment. But the context and the, um, the the ability to sort of incubate these systems against each other in a competitive environment, that is what shapes the league. And it, and it always has, but we're seeing it happen faster than ever right now. And so I think like, you know, I, I think it's easy to sort of like look at football as a series of days strung together. But really, I think once you, if you notice these little details, and this is what coaches do as well, they look for patterns and they look for details. And if you start, if you keep seeing the same thing show up, the same, even minute detail show up over and over and over again, that's going to have a ripple effect um, on something way far down the line that you might not understand yet, but you need to start pursuing it. And that's the biggest thing that I learned from the series is like every detail matters, even the failure, because these guys fail a lot, right? And yeah. everyone around them fails a lot, sometimes because of each other, right? <laughs> and so um, I think that like seeking out what those patterns and what those next evolutions will be in their own innovation loops, I think that that is something that you really take away from it. And and it kind of explains everything about why things in football are structured the way that they are. It all comes down to apex systems sort of biologically clashing against each other. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And I think the thing that I really took away from it too was like, I think in sort of the general football jargon and lexicon, you hear a lot about these, you know, like schematic wizards, right? These people that just have these these great schemes and it, and, but to me, so much of what, what it's, it's, yes, these, these people are, these coaches in this system are, super well-versed in its history and all of its nuances and, and, and how to use it to, to create the best matchups in a given game plan. But it's also this, this just sort of very unique ability to, to adapt, to sort Mm -hmm. of keep your ego in check when it's, when it maybe is easy to just let it run amok or, or, you know, or at least, you know, guide you in some way. And, and so it's this constant battle to, you know, to kind of keep, keep this, keep away the idea of like, Hey, this is, this has worked for us. Like we we've done this it, and having this, I think the coaches that are really good have this constant awareness of just like, this can all change so fast. And yeah. if, we're, if we're not ready to jump to it. And that's why I'm just so curious with Sean Payton is like, we know that he he'll talk about any and everything. We've seen it from the start of training camp. Um, you know, when, when he made his big USA today, um, yeah, I guess you could call it a faux pas, but probably was not, it was probably a very, <laughs> but but the one thing that he hasn't talked a lot about, even with some prodding, is like what he really did do in that time away. Like he, you know, he talked about the walk with the dog, you know, the the you know the the long coffee and and sort of some meditation in that way. But like you know that that there was a lot that went into like trying to understand <laughs> where the game was in your way, taking kind of a big picture view that you talked about the play callers too. Sometimes you don't you don't get to see the forest through the trees. 
And, and so I'm, I'm just really curious to see a guy like that, what a year away ultimately did for him. And it'll maybe be hard to quantify it, but, but I think we'll see some, some evidence of some of the new things that he picked up. Yeah. Look for the patterns. I mean, he'll show you. That's the thing. These guys, the ones who have stuck around as long haulers, as long haul truckers, as I kind of refer to them as Sean Payton is one of those guys. Bill Belichick is another one, Andy Reid, but also some of these younger guys who are kind of why guys, right? The new generation of coaches who always are trying to explain and ask why, um, who are very successful out of this particular coaching tree. Um, They are always looking for patterns and they're always looking for when do you jump to the next thing before you become a victim of the old thing that you also kind of created? So it's, it's fascinating. I think Sean Payton, like, that's nice that he like walked the dog and had coffee or whatever. Like, I don't believe that for a second that that's like all he was doing. It's kind of like Vic Fangio. I'm so excited. Like these two dominant, it's it's really parallels here. And yeah. Bronk, there's a Broncos connection. So like, Nick, do the story because I want to read it. But like, there's these two guys, right? These sort of godfathers in their own right of their own unique schemes. And they actually don't do the story. I want to do the story. No, <laughs> no. But there's a Broncos connection because week three. So double I think byline. Let's double byline it. Yeah. It. But, yeah, but like three, we got some time. But it's so cool, right? Because they they stepped away and they yes, it they can say all they want about like how relaxing it was or whatever, yeah, which I don't think baseball games and all. Yeah. Which, which I don't think Vic Fangio found it relaxing, like for even a millisecond, but like you, yeah, pursue your hobbies, whatever, but also studying everybody, studying tendencies. And, and really they can, I would imagine if they have the players around them, if they're doing what they want to do, the wrinkles you'll start to see will be profound because they, these guys have not been afraid to evolve or, to introduce catalysts into their own systems in order to progress them forward into something different. And that's what, that's why Sean Payton stuck around for all these years is because he's so good at doing that. And Vic Fangio, he created, or, I mean, he put a lot of things together and philosophically and, and, and put everything in the, the right patterns and cycles that created the modern popular iteration of this defense, but that's not going to last. Everything changes. Nothing is permanent. And so these guys, these like long haul truckers, like they really do understand that. So I think you will start to see wrinkles. And I think these young guys, not only do they want to be at the forefront of that, which again, Sean McVay scheduling joint practices with Sean Payton. I mean, that tells you a lot. Um, Not only do they want to be at the forefront of that, but also they want to catch that wave along with these guys that they respect so much in this league. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I know, um, Vic Fangio, like since he became the Dolphins coordinator, he talked about one of the things that he did let on was that he developed a couple of new new coverages. Not not that he was diving into any detail, but it is just so cool because it's it's like these guys. That's that's what drives them. It's just this this it's it's the game within the game is is the way that you see it of just just driving yourself to find something new. Um, and that's I think what makes the sport so so fascinating that you captured so well. Um, I, before we go, Jordan, just any, like any other takeaways that you had from your two days in Denver, whether it was things you saw with the Rams, anything that interests you about the Broncos, um, our weather, Ed, I mean, just, just what you took away from, from being here for a couple of days. Yeah. Well, first of all, super gracious time. Like the Broncos could not have been more welcoming. The beat could not have been more welcoming. So thank you for that. Um, it's a huge beat. First of all, that's like a massive <laughs> amount of people cover this team. And you'd think that the LA beat is huge, but it's like a lot of TV. And then like the beat writers core is like kind of small. So I was sort of looking around like, wow, there's a lot of people covering this football team. And we weren't, um, you weren't even did, taking a trip up to the tent. That's where you would have seen like. <laughs> yeah, I think like, you know, 
my, my Rams takeaway was um, this was their best week of practice yet. They are not there in some ways. They're not going to be very good this year. In other ways, they'll be potentially very good. I think they're off. The Rams offense is going to be very good if, if they can have everyone stay healthy um, and they looked sharp and they looked explosive. They were throwing the ball downfield a lot more than actually I saw the Broncos doing, which um, was, was interesting. A little bit of a takeaway uh, for me just coming in cold and like sort of blind and seeing that group work together for the first time. Um, and then, but I, but I think like this Broncos defense, I think that if they just, if they, the adjustments I saw from Wednesday to Thursday were really telling to me because they are capable of turning it on. And so, and this, this has been a team for a long time that has this so, such a respectable defense. And it's very clear that if you push the right buttons or you, you really communicate like conceptually what needs to be a con- like they really could turn it on and they did. And yeah. that was something that I think that that shows a lot of potential um, and carryover, frankly, from from the previous regime. One of the good things that can carry over from the previous yeah. regime is like, I think that that's I think that's really solid. I think that um, right now, a lot of times in discussion is the backup quarterback position across the league. Just, you know, I've I've been dealing with it a lot with Stetson Bennett and then with Matthew Stafford being the age he is and obviously Russell Wilson being the age he is. I know he's pretty durable, but, you know, you always t- are talking about the, the backup quarterback. And I thought I think the Broncos found a really solid guy and instead I'm like I think that that's um you know he he impressed me again coming in cold and I couldn't see everything because the fields are split and all of that but but just a couple of takeaways like you know I'm not saying I think Russell Wilson kind of you don't you don't really know what to expect um you know he I think I think that they're conceptually you could see what they're trying to accomplish um and especially was effective underneath I think against the Rams play you know they're playing a little tighter but they play a lot of zone and and then I think I mean I'm rambling you didn't ask for all of this but 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 I do think but I do think like you know I'm not making any sort of like sweeping takes but I think like I I am used to in LA right now especially after all the injuries and Stafford got so hurt last year I'm just used to thinking about the backup quarterback position a lot. And so that's something I naturally gravitated toward when I was here. Um, just being at a football practice, it's kind of instinct at this point. And, and I was impressed. So um, yeah, that's I, that was a big takeaway for I'm me. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that was one thing I kind of before we came on, you know, just sort of broke down from a Broncos perspective a little bit of what happened today. And obviously with Jerry Judy's injury being the big news of the mm-hmm. day, unfortunately, for the Broncos and how that sort of cascading has a cascading effect on their offense but yeah Jared Stidham I thought had his best day of practice today um that I at, at least since sort of very early in camp he, he was really um really sharp and he had played better in the second preseason game his first game out uh against the Cardinals was 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 rough a lot of protection issues that he wasn't quite um you know ready to adjust to and and I think he's gotten a lot better in that regard but no, it's it's interesting um because yeah, that's that's the thing Russell Wilson didn't miss a game for the first 10 years of his or first nine years of his career year year 10 in Seattle he missed a couple games with thumb injury last year missed two was knocked out of another so at a certain age you do as as well as these guys take care of their body and as, as durable as their history is um it just gets harder and harder to stave off some of the issues some of the things that would normally um you'd be able to play through it, it is backup quarterback it teams the Broncos haven't gotten through a season without um a second quarterback starting a game since 2018 so wow. it's 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 inevitable almost that you're going to have that so I, I appreciate that insight too well Jordan thank you so much we'll, we'll let you go um and to all who listen and want to hear more of Jordan uh 11 personnel is the name of the podcast you can find that wherever you get your podcast talking all things Rams but also again just great insights uh from around the league so Jordan uh thank you so much and we'll we'll see you down the road
It was my pleasure, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. And so great to see you in Denver this week. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, we'll see you again down the road. And, and thank you to all who are listening. Please subscribe, give us a review, let us know what you think. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode.